Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Fired Up, the hottest sports show in Central Ohio, the show where four sports fans talk sports for the fans. Our topics for this evening are Europe versus USA, who will come out on top in this year's Ryder Cup. The Minnesota Vikings make a trade for a running back, a record sale in the NHL, a game of inches, recapping week four's biggest games. The college football season rolls on, predicting who will win week five's major games in the college football realm. With that, I give you our Chief Fire Fire Brigade, Rob Cow. Thanks, Colton. Good to be here tonight on Thursday night, live in Delaware, Ohio. Uh, got some college football coming up here on the monitor tonight, and uh, we're going to talk some college football here later on. But first, we're going to start, like Colton said, with the Ryder Cup across the pond in Rome at the Marco Simone Golf and Country Club. Um, completely new design, uh, just finished up in, uh, 2014, I think they remodeled it or no, the re they started at just re redesign was just done in 2021 actually. Mm. Um, and the USA is favored with, uh, six of the top 10 golfers in the world on, of our 12, but, uh, the USA is not one on in Europe since 1993. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. you know, I think uh, even with the golfers that we have, uh, it's it's going to be a tough task ahead of them. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, uh, you know, the 40, uh, 44th edition of this, you know, Ryder Cup, the uh, USA took home took home the cup uh beat beat team Europe pretty convincingly 19 to 19 to 9 uh, or the 43rd actually uh, this is the 44th uh, Ryder Cup but the 43rd Ryder Cup the USA yeah handled team Europe pretty handily 19 to 9 back in 2021 um so you know USA is looking to on American soil American soil obviously looking to get get a win on on European soil um but looking you know not only to get a big win on European on European soil, but it'd be the first time since that 1993 that they would win back to back if they're able to win, you know, win this one. Um, it was 1991 and 1993 when they won back to back Ryder Cups. The last time that the USA has been able to been able to do that. But, uh, you know, you talk about somewhat ideal or perfect conditions for for golf. You know, they, they'll play Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, low, low 80s pretty much no percentage of rain about five to 10 mile an hour wind. So it's going to be uh, you know, great, great day, great day for golf. Uh, great day for these, for these guys, you know, going out there. Um, like I mentioned, you know, three, three different days, um, you know, kind of different formats throughout, you know, throughout the days. Um, but yeah, going to be, going to be exciting stuff. A lot of, a lot of good golfers, both on team, team Europe and, and team USA. So I'm, I'm looking forward to some exciting stuff. Yeah. You know, a lot of, a lot of great golfers out here, uh, looking at the world rankings of these guys, we've got golfers, uh, pretty much one through 12. Uh, the only guy not on that list is, uh, the guy in the number 11 spot. So USA has, has a lot of really good golfers here in the number one in the world, Scotty Scheffler. So I'll tell you what team Europe's not too, too shabby themselves. They've got uh, the number two golfer in the world, Rory McIlroy. They've also got the number four golfer in the world, Victor Hovland. Um, and then uh, number three in the world, John Rahm. So, you know, they got two, three, and four there for Europe, mm -hmm. where USA has one, five, six, uh, seven, nine, and, nine ten. and ten. So, yeah, I mean, a lot, lot, a lot of good golfers coming out of this thing. Mm -hmm. And it, it's kind of interesting how they how they do the setup mm -hmm. um for team usa it's it's based on the six top golfers mm -hmm. in, in in the rankings there yeah and team europe they pick the th their three top from the world mm -hmm. 
and then they pick the three top from the the European tour, mm-hmm. and then it's six wild cards after that. And yeah. so the USA, it's the top six and six wild cards picked by the captains after that. Right. Um, captains are kind of interesting too because they're they're really just figureheads in this thing. They're not right. guys that go out and golf. Right. So U- USA has some pretty uh, you know, iconic names out here: uh, right. Zach Johnson, Steve Stricker, Davis Love the Third, Jim mm-hmm. Burek, Fred Couples, Stuart Sink. These are guys who've been around golf a long time, so right. you, you know you think they they would know how to pick some guys to mm-hmm. really fill in this roster. So it should be interesting, you know. Hopefully the USA can pull off the back to back and and get that big win on uh, European soil there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like Colton said, it's kind of a mismatch of how they you know line these guys up, but the you know a total of twenty eight points or twenty eight matches, one point for each win. Some of them are head to head. Some of them are. Uh, more of a best ball. Uh, some of them are twosomes, and uh, so it's just it just kind of varies. Um, and you know the the for the kind of the highlight is the last day when they actually are guys going head to head. All twelve golfers yeah, going against each other, going against each other. Yep. So uh, you know that's that's kind of where it's won and lost on that last day. But um, you know USA has the overall lead in this thing, and. Uh, you know, favored going in. So, right. you know, we're hoping for big stuff out of that USA team. Right. Yeah. Like like you mentioned a little bit more about the format. I mean, there's 28 total points, you know, available for, you know, teams to, to score. Um, obviously, 14 and a half points gets you, you know, wins you the cup. If you, if they tie, if they 14-14, then, you know, the previous winner, retains the cup or whatever it's not like they have and like that a, has happened yeah they don't they don't unfortunately don't have like a sudden death or right. anything like that to really determine it it can some you know can end in a tie and it ultimately just you know the trophy stays with with the team that that won it the year previous so or two years cause yeah two yeah every annual. every two years yeah. so um but it's gonna be gonna be exciting um i did did see uh you know, this morning that they they announced for for tomorrow, day one, the the four at least the foursome matchup. So they'll alternate they alternate shots. You know, in that in that foursome um, kind of format or group. So uh, Scotty Scheffler and Sam Burns are going to be taking on John Rahm and, and Tyrell Hatton. Um, so that should be an exciting one to kind of get get it started. Obviously, Matt mentioned Scotty Scheffler, number one ranked golfer, but Rom not too far behind him there. Um, so going to be going to be an exciting way to kick off the day with, you know, those two guys going, you know, going at it. Um, and then other groups, uh, you got Max Homa and Brian Harmon taking on Victor Hovland and uh, Ludwig Obberg. Um, then you got Ricky Fowler and Colin Morikawa paired up, uh, taking on Shane Lowry and uh, Seep Straka. Um, then you got Xander Shoffley and, and Patrick Cantlay taking on Rory McIlroy and Tommy Fleetwood. So uh, going to be going to be exciting one to get, you know, get stuff started. Obviously, if you want to catch uh, catch coverage of this thing, you're going to have to wake up pretty, pretty early. It's like 730 in the morning. Or yeah, something? yeah. It's, uh, you know, obviously we're, we're playing, you know, in Italy, playing in Europe. So time difference is going to be, you know, quite a quite a bit. So they're going to get things teed off pretty, pretty decently early over there to, you know, have have enough daylight to get through the get through the day but uh yeah gonna be gonna be an exciting you know exciting match uh between you know team usa and, and team europe uh, something you're not used to seeing when you see these guys golf is they're not playing for any money right. there's no prize money yeah, this is all this all thing. pride on yeah. all about bragging rights. right so. yeah yeah absolutely and uh yeah it'd be, be interesting you know um you know still obviously the 
still a little bit of uh, you know controversy with the USA, you know, makeup. Some guys feel like they got snubbed because of being live golfers mm-hmm. and you know not getting picked because they you know diffracted from you know the 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 PGA tour. So they feel like that that might have hurt their chances or you know a, a reason maybe they didn't get picked as a as a wild card. Um, you know, although you know Brooks Kepka has you know been one of the guys that was one of the leaders of, of leaving the PGA and heading to the live tour. He's, he's in here as a, as a wild card, you know, as one of the, one of the picks by Zach Johnson. So uh, going to be, going to be interesting to see how this, you know, how this plays out. Um, each team has what they, you know, what they call rookies, you know, when they say rookie, it, it not necessarily rookie to golf, but just rookie to this event per se. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think each team, I think has maybe three or four uh, rookies on, on their team. So, kind of kind of very similar makeups you know nobody has um you know too much experience or you know too little experience it's kind of a kind of an even even field in that in that sense so gonna be gonna be exciting but uh yeah first time you know we just we just heard it on the on the tv first time that italy's hosted this this Mm -hmm. this Ryder cup so gonna be gonna be an interesting thing to look out for and see and um you know see how the uh italian group uh handles you know a big big major event so like i said you couldn't ask for any any better weather you know this late late in the season so um gonna be gonna be ideal conditions for for these guys so i'm expecting some some low scores and you know some opportunities to you know see some guys battle it battle it out on the golf course very good all right on to some uh nfl news uh this week running back cam Akers was traded to the vikings after spending four seasons with the Rams. You know, he was drafted by the Rams in the second round out of Florida state. Um, and really he's, he's not been great with the Rams. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's only averaged 3.8 yards over, you know, this over that four years. Um, and going along with that, I think him and Sean McVay have never, uh, not all, I won't say never, but I would say they've not always seen eye to eye on, on what Cam Akers' role was, was going to be with the team. So, uh, you know, they, they traded him with a swap of some late round picks in 2026. And so, uh, you know, we'll see how this works out for Cam Akers going, going to, uh, going to the Vikings. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, you know, interesting move by the, by the Vikings, obviously the big off season news from the, from the Vikings camp was that they, you know, released their long time, you know, running back, uh, Dalvin, Dalvin cook, uh, you know, thought that he was due too much money, too much hit to the, to the salary cap. So they decided to let, let him walk and uh, actually sign their back, you know, longtime backup Alexander Madison to kind of a, a bigger deal, not a huge deal, but a little bit, little bit bigger, bigger deal. And um, you know, it just makes you wonder the Vikings making a trade, you know, for, for a running back, are they, somewhat regretting that they right. that they let Dalvin Cook, you know, walk out the door. Admitting they made a bit of a mistake <laughs> right, there. Right, right. So uh, he's not lighting the world on fire with the Jets. Right, right, right yeah. Um, you know, and, and this is a Vikings team that's uh, almost dead last in rushing yards, rushing yards per game. Um, so, you know, I think, yeah, obviously the Vikings are off to an 0-3 start. You know, I'm not ideal for, for them. Um, but you know, it, it, it is going to be interesting to see how, you know, Cam kind of fits into this, you know, fits into this offense, uh, because I think you're, at least so far through the first, you know, three games of the season, the Vikings have kind of, I don't know, shifted offensive philosophies. It seemed like, you know, they were kind of more of a run heavy team or maybe a little bit more balanced, you would, you would say, but, you know, so far through the first three games, I mean, their, their running backs have less, you know, total combined have less than 50 carries, uh, but they're throwing, they're throwing the ball a lot more. They're, they're, 
second in the league in passing yards per game. So kind of, I think it just a, a shift in, in offensive philosophy. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, now that they have Cam Akers, does that, you know, shift things? Is it just still the status quo? So, you know, we'll be, you know, will be interesting. Obviously didn't give up a ton to, to get Cam Akers. Right. So it's kind of a, you know, low risk, very, you know, possible high, high reward for, for this Vikings team that's looking to, inject some energy into that, that you know yeah. into that running game so it'll be it'll be interesting i guess so matt what do you what do you think yeah i'll tell you it's interesting that the value of the running back i mean yeah, this guy cam Akers was was a starter in, in the league just right. within the you know a couple of years and yeah. actually had a pretty darn good year the year they went to the super bowl mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you know i mean to, to get just a six round pick and you you package a seventh with them <laughs> right i mean i mean that that's a nothing burger of a trade there mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. i mean the guys had uh He's had four seasons, but he's really only played two. Mm-hmm. This year, he hasn't really played. Right, and he had an injury season uh, his second year in the league. Mm-hmm. So, you know, over over really two seasons, he's amassed one thousand four hundred forty three yards. So, you know, about seven hundred yards mm-hmm. a season. He mm-hmm. actually plays. He's yeah. got ten touchdowns, so probably about five five touchdowns a season. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think he's going to be a nice rotational back there with the right. Vikings. Give him a little change of pace. And right. in this day and age in the league with running backs, I think that's what you need. You mm-hmm. you need a kind of a thunder lightning to two-headed monster right. you know keep the defense guessing a little bit so I, I think it's a good move for the vikings especially to give up next to nothing to bring them in right yeah absolutely you know this this rams team you know notorious for you know getting some good seasons out of some running backs and then you know dumping them quick i mean todd Gurley was coming off of almost like an mvp or maybe he was the mvp that year and the next season he was out the door right. um, and then it wasn't too long. He was out of the league. So, you know, this Rams team obviously gets, tries to get as much as they can, you know, especially from the running back position and, you know, is not, not uh, shy to, you know, move on pretty, pretty quickly from a, from a guy that contributed to their team. But, uh, you know, I guess, yeah, like, like you mentioned there, dad, I think from the Rams perspective, this was just, you know, a move. I, I don't think either, either side was really happy. You know, Cam obviously wants to be out there playing uh, somewhat of a healthy scratch this year so far uh you know yeah not kind of seen eye to eye with with sean mcveigh and obviously wants to be out of there on the field but at the same time the rams you know no sense of keeping or holding the guy that you know they have no intention of, right. of playing or using so uh you know better to dump them and try to get something obviously not you know uh the, the greatest draft capital in return but you know better better than nothing um but we'll see we'll see how it plays out obviously the vikings you know yeah trying to get on the right side of the, of the winning, you know, get back on the winning track here after starting zero and three, but going to be, going to be, going to be a tough one, but uh, you know, at at least for cam, it's nice. He reunites uh, with Kevin O'Connell, the current head coach for the Vikings, who was in Los Angeles when he was out there um, during kind of his best couple of seasons that he had with, with the Rams. And then he also gets to reunite with his former offensive coordinator, who's the the Vikings offensive coordinator as well. So maybe that'll be the difference, you know, for, for Cam, you know, being familiar on track, yeah, low yeah. risk, high reward. Yeah. Right. Be uh, you know, fresh start, fresh start for him, you know, uh, new perspective, get, get the ability to, you know, reunite with a couple of guys that he's familiar with that were in Los Angeles that kind of helped, helped him have a couple of good, couple of good seasons with Los Angeles. So we'll see if, uh, you know, how, how it plays out for, for all sides here, but, uh, yeah, Vikings. Vikings need to do do something to get get themselves, you know, right the right the ship or whatever. So we'll see, uh, you know, if this this deal is is worth it or you know, um, what what happens with the Vikings going forward. All right, we'll see if it makes a difference. Um, some, I guess, uh, 
kind of off the track here a little bit, but uh, some hockey news. Um, this week, the uh, Ottawa Senators were, Senators were sold. Um, 90% share to billionaire Michael Andlauer for $950 million. Uh, the daughters of the late Eugene Mel- Melnick, who was the uh, past owner, will keep 10% mm-hmm. um, of that team. But, uh, you know, controlling interest go- goes to Andlauer now. Um, you know, and uh, the current team in, it, in its current format is one of the teams that's been in the league the longest with no Stanley Cups mm-hmm. in their present format. Yeah. Um, since 90, they were reestablished in 92, mm-hmm. um, one of only 11 teams that do not have a, a Stanley cup, but the original team won 11 of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll see how this goes. Maybe he can return them to Providence. He's already, you know, made mention that they, he would like to build a new stadium, you know, kind of a public private venture, mm-hmm. uh, partnership for a new approximately, you know, again, talking almost a billion dollar, $900 billion arena. So, right. If we can get that to fly, then you know maybe they can attract some talent to get to get bring Lord Stanley Cup back back to Ottawa. Yeah, yeah, obviously, like you mentioned, you know, sold for nine hundred and fifty million, which is a new NHL record as far as you know uh, price for for a team. But uh, you know, Michael Andelauer, you know, uh, it probably helps at the same. He is a you know a Canadian guy, you know, Canadian born guy that uh, owns various healthcare you know businesses and things like that. So you know, obviously. Uh, you know, Ottawa being a Canadian team, you know, now being owned by, by a Canadian that, uh, you know, brings a little bit of, a little bit of pride, a little bit, you know, uh, maybe, you know, brings a little pride into the team and, you know, makes Canadians, uh, you know, want to flock to the team a little bit more now that they're owned by, you know, one of their own, if you will. Um, but it's, it's interesting because not only did he buy, you know, the Ottawa senators, but he also now owns the Belleville senators, which is the like lower tier, uh, kind of team. kind of farm team for yeah. for the Ottawa uh, actually in the AHL the American Hockey League so he owns both you know both of them so you know I think that's probably a, probably a good thing you'd be able to you know get an influx of young talent in your you know kind of farm team or lower tier team and you know be able to scout it out and see see how that's going to you know possibly move guys up and things like that so uh, you know this is a an Ottawa team that, you know, hasn't made the playoffs since 2017. And and in that season, they, they fell one short, one, one goal short of reaching the Stanley cup finals. Um, so they were, you know, oh, so very close to having that opportunity to, to win their first, you know, kind of Stanley cup in, in the current format. Um, but, you know, just, you know, fell, fell short, but haven't been able to get back to the playoffs to get, get an opportunity here. But, uh, yeah, gonna be gonna be interesting here. Obviously, big big influx of of cash. We'll see, you know what what happens. But uh, yeah, gotta gotta turn things around there in Ottawa. Obviously, hockey a big big thing in Canada, big big sport in Canada. So uh, we'll see, you know what what the new owner owner can do here. Matt, what, yeah, what do you think? Yeah, you know, like you mentioned, he he does currently own that uh, American Hockey League team, right. and he's actually owned a couple other successful minor league hockey teams okay. and uh, taking them to championships. Okay, so, nice. yeah, I mean, he he seems to know how to build a team. Mm-hmm. So that that'll be that'll be good for Ottawa. Right. I'm just shocked at the price tag of this sale. Com- right. You know, considering Ottawa's basically a 500 hockey club for right. their for their history. I mean. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're not known for being one of the top teams in the league. They're just kind of always there just floating yeah. around, right, you know? Right. So it, it, it's, it's crazy that this is the, the largest sale in, in, in hockey 
history history like yeah. that that just that shocks me yeah you know it's kind of nice that the 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 uh, old owners uh, kids got got to keep a little stake in the team mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you know they, they still have a little piece so 10 percent though that right. obviously doesn't mean right. doesn't mean much when he controls the other 90 <laughs> right. so yeah, you know absolutely. but uh that's pretty cool they got to keep their their spot so hopefully he can help turn ottawa around you, you love you know hockey is a canadian sport so right. you, you'd kind of you kind of like to see those canadian teams do well because mm-hmm. their fans are just all for it right, they right. love it so mm-hmm. you know hope, hopefully you can turn them around and, and make a solid team there in ottawa yeah absolutely i think uh you know i i think i've said it before mentioned it before on the show if i had stupid money i think yeah my first investment would be in a, in a sports team it seems like it's going up it's it's one of those things that yeah you'll you know much like real estate mm-hmm. you no matter how bad good whatever your team is by the time you're ready to ready to sell it you, you've probably made you know made some money or you know yeah. whatever um, so it's, it's, yeah, definitely, uh, you know, in between that time, obviously that's, it's a large investment to, you know, invest in the team, invest in players and, you know, whatnot. But by the time you're ready to, you know, hang it up or sell it to the next group or guy or, you know, person, um, you, you're probably going to at least get your money back if not, you know, make, make a killing off of, you know, what you, what you bought it for. So it, uh, yeah, if, if I was that rich, that would be, that'd be my first investment. I don't know if hockey would be would be the sport I'd, I'd buy into. Um, but it, uh, definitely would be, be something I would, I would look at, but, right. uh, you know, yeah, hats off, you know, to the, to, you know, the Canadians and get, get, get a local guy, get a, you know, one of their own to, to own a team and, you know, hopefully get things turned around. It's, it's good to see that, you know, he has had some success at, you know, other, mm-hmm. you know, other places, um, owning other hockey teams. So I think that probably plays a big part in this, mm-hmm. uh, you know, be able mm-hmm. to turn, turn things around. So, yeah, all right. We're going to take a quick break uh, so we can keep the lights on, but uh, don't leave us. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host Fired Up. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Head on over to Podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code PODCAST21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. Check it out. All right, and we're back. College football time. Uh, go over our uh, actual six games from last week. Recap of those real quick. Um you know, the first one I have on my on my sheet here was that Colorado Oregon game. What a total domination right. by the Ducks! Um, yep. You know, I don't think I don't think any of us even predicted this this, no. this big of a blowout. Yep. Um, you know, they they held Colorado to what one hundred and ninety nine total yards, yards one point six yards a carry. The sad which, part is most of that came in garbage time. Yeah, you know, when, they're and, you know, when we kept saying them. they they got to be a two pronged attack. They have not run the ball well all year. Um, you know, so you get you get against a team that has a good pass rush, which Oregon did. They recorded seven sacks for the game, mm-hmm. um, but they just have nothing when it comes to running the ball. So I think that finally, you know. It took longer than I thought, but I think that's what was the big thing that came back to haunt them. Also, Oregon was just clicking on all cylinders. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. 522 yards, three or four going forward on fourth down. I mean, they just they looked unstoppable that right. day. Right. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, just a 
little slice of slice of humble pie there for, you know, coach prime. Obviously we, you know, no one, I don't think predicted that Colorado was going to go undefeated this year, but uh, you know, I, I'll be, you know, the first to say, I thought they would be more competitive in this game. I thought right. that offense would be able to put up some put up some points and somewhat be in this thing. And yeah, we, we knew by watching their defense, right, they right. were going to give up a lot. They of were going to be but probably we they do their goal, share, right? Yeah. yeah, but Oregon's defense came out and played you know played well. And you know, I made mention of it last week, and you know, kind of the preview of this game, it was going to come down to the trenches. And you know, Colorado's offensive line that it's no secret that they're one of the worst in 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 the NCAA. Uh, they gave up seven sacks in, in this game and, you know, now have given up almost 30 sacks throughout the year. So, you know, obviously you don't make those major changes in the season. So you got to kind of make the adjustments and kind of live with what you got. Mm-hmm. Um, so it may be, you know, something that they that they look at that, you know, it may be a lot of rollouts and things like that to, to kind of get, you know, Shadour. Out, out on the edge instead of, you know, having him sit back there in the pocket because I just don't think that this offensive line is going to be able to hold up long enough for him to, you know, kind of stand back there you and throw. you got to at least have a threat of the running game. Yeah. Something. Yeah. You, yeah. you just can't right. say you're going to throw the ball every down because yep. defenses or good teams are going to be able to, you know, they're pick gonna, up on that. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're going to watch film. They're going to they're going to learn how to defend that. Yeah, right. sure doesn't get any easier for Colorado no, this no, week taking on no. USC. Right. So that, I, you know, that's not. They do at be least fun. get to go back home. Right. At least they do get to go back in front of their home crowd. But yeah, definitely not a, an easy one to you know. Right. After a butt kicking like this, not a good yeah. one to you know return to to try to lick your lick your wounds. But you know, may maybe even bigger wounds to to you know try to try to take in this one. But uh, well, man, I'll tell you, I, I don't think Coach Prime really took too much humble pie after this game because he he's just talking about oh well we we knew we were going to be bad we're we're going to be better in years to come and then he says you know we take our receipts. I, I think he's forgetting something though. Oregon's leaving for the Big Ten. He may never play him again. So right, right. I'm not sure he's going to have a receipt to take on this Oregon team. Yeah, yeah, right. absolutely. Um, you know, it'll be it'll be interesting. You know, yeah, we'll see how how you know Colorado responds in this one. Obviously, was the the first game without their two way player. You know, Travis Hunter didn't play in this one, and you know, we'll be out obviously for this USC game, and you know, potentially back for the for the following week or whatever. But uh, yeah, we'll see. You know, how they adjust, and you know, do are they you know are they going to be more competitive in this USC mm-hmm. game? You know, I, I don't know. We'll see what, you know, like I said, going back home, obviously that helps out, helps out a lot, but uh, going to be, going to be a tough, tough slate. Obviously this was kind of the first major opponent, you right. know, on, on their schedule. And, you know, they, they, you know, just didn't come to, didn't come to play. Look like the lesser, lesser team on, on that particular day, but you know, we'll see. I, how I do they... think they'll score more this week yeah. against USC. I, I, as much as I, I, I like to kind of see Coach Prime fail a little bit because he talks so much. Right, that he's going to have his boys ready to play. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and, and I don't think more. USC's defense is quite, you know, as good as Oregon. obviously Oregon's head coach, you know, uh, Danny Lanning is is a former defensive coordinator from mm-hmm. Georgia, so he knows what it takes to be an elite defense. Right. Uh, you know, it's taken some time before he's kind of gotten the players that he needs to be able to have somewhat of an elite defense or a better, won't say elite, but a better defense, at least in the Pac-12. You know, so I think, yeah, this guy, obviously a defensive-minded coach, so definitely, you know, something that he uses to his advantage or something that he's pretty pretty keen on. So we will see what happens. But, yeah, a a, a bad week for for Colorado, not, not, you know, what they expected to do in this this game. All right, Todd. UCLA, Utah, something I never thought I'd say, but uh, teams out West, but a defensive struggle, right? <laughs> uh, you know, uh, 14 to seven was the final score. Right. Again, UCLA averaged 0.3 yards 
per rush. That's yeah. awful. How, yeah. how can you even be that bad? Yeah, I don't. I don't know how that happens. Yeah, nine, I think, nine total rushing yards. Yeah, yeah. how does that happen? <laughs> yeah. um, you know, but uh, I think adding to that, uh, Utah again, another team had seven sacks on mm-hmm. the on, on the weekend. Yeah. There, so right. I guess you know we're going to talk about Utah in our next segment when we start picking games for next week. But I guess the big question: when's when's Cam Bad Moon Rising coming back? Uh, yeah, that, yeah, that offense needs him. Yeah, yeah I think that so. Offense needs him. I think. Uh, I think you have to attest that they, I mean this Utah's defense. You want to talk about elite. real deal? Yeah, yeah, they're 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 up there. I mean, obviously they start the game off with a pick six. Uh, that was the difference in this one. I mean, <laughs> right. that's all it took uh, was you know a pick six on. I think it was UCLA's first drive, first series of the game uh, was you know a pick a pick six. Um, so you know, obviously this I think this defense is the real the real deal. I think if they can get Cam back in there, this team can be can be good. Mm-hmm. I think he. Uh, you know, we'll bring an influx, you know, to, to this because right now it seems like this Utah offense is just run, run, run. They don't have a quarterback that can throw it quite like Cam can. So I, I think they definitely need him back to bring somewhat of a balance to that right. to that offense. Uh, the question is, how injured is he and will he be the same player when he does come back? Right. Potentially at right. This point? Yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, this this Utah team looks looks you know, looks like the real deal. You know, Utah defense at least looks like the real deal. Definitely going to keep them in, keep them in ball games, and 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 you know, propel them to victory like they did in in this one. Yeah, yeah. Now you know, I picked UCLA coming into this thing, so I'm not afraid to admit I was wrong. I, I <laughs> thought that offense would be able to light it up. Right, but, right. But wow, yeah. wow. That was all I got to say for that Utah defense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was uh, that was school schooling mm-hmm. right there. Old Miss and Alabama. Um, you know, we we thought Alabama would probably pull this one out, and they did. They held Old Miss to fifty six yards rushing, mm-hmm. uh, three of fourteen on third down. So, yeah. you know, I mean, it wasn't like Alabama's offense set the world on fire, but you know, obviously that defense kept them in the game, yeah. and uh, you know, holding them to ten total points. So, yeah, I think I think that was the key. You know, keeping that Old Miss offense down keeping them off the field and uh making them you know punt the ball away and uh keeping alabama fresh well then just an an old miss another team showing a bad day rushing the ball they they only came up with 56 rushing yards themselves for the entire football game that's i mean that's 10 10 yards of course you know like that's nothing that's right yeah, that's that's a rough day, and mm-hmm. you know, I I I didn't. I thought we all picked Old Miss, didn't we? I think I picked Old Miss. I know Miss. I did. I know I did, but, but. Uh, it it just you know I I thought they'd be a little bit more yeah, you know because they never really seemed to be in the game you right. know from the beginning. I go back and look at my notes. Maybe I did too. Uh, but it just uh yeah just disappointing effort from from Old Miss. I mean you know Alabama's now won eight straight games over Old Miss, and you know I think I talked about it in last week's show. If Ole Miss didn't beat Alabama now, it may never. It may never happen yeah, because this exactly. this was the chance. This was yep. the opportunity. You know, Alabama came in down. You know, we talked about it on the show. The big question mark at quarterback. There's no way this Alabama team can do you know can do anything. The Ole Miss looks like the better team, but and, you know, and, but Alabama still didn't set the world no, on fire. No, no, they're, they're still sure. not. No, nothing's it, fixed no. there. It's they just, still yeah, got some yeah, big problems. It's just disappointing that you know again, Ole Miss look like the better team yeah. on paper coming into the game and, and just, yeah, laid, a, laid an absolute egg. Um, yeah, Lane Kiffin's hot seat's got to be burning right now. Right, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, you like you talked about it, Old Miss 3 of 14 on fourth down, but then also eight penalties for almost 70 yards probably doesn't help help the mix either. Right. But, yeah, it just never seemed like Old Miss ever really got into a 
rhythm got into a flow of the game. And maybe that's, you know, Alabama's defense may be starting to figure things out. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know, but um, you know, it, it definitely, I think Alabama's still a work in progress is, yeah. you know, a big win for them, obviously right. The ship, obviously also at home, it helps as well, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, they definitely still have tough games left on the slate, still have some, some work to do to really, get themselves back in the conversation of being, you know, the Alabama that we're used to seeing. All right. Uh, Well, the third game was uh, Washington state and Oregon state. Um, This was a upset that I picked Washington state and they did manage to, they did manage to pull it off with a three point win 38, 35. And they tried to give it all back. (laughs) They did. They did. They were up at one point 35 to 14. Yeah. Um, after three quarters, yeah, you know, yeah. and gave up what three touchdowns mm-hmm, in the mm-hmm. in the four in the fourth quarter, and finally, you know, kick a field goal to to get the win. But I guess to me, I, I'm cons- concerned about DJ. He, he's struggling, I think, in mm-hmm. Oregon State. Mm-hmm. He's only thrown seven touchdowns against three picks. I expected him to be a little more, I don't know, I guess a little more proficient on the mm-hmm. offensive side where. You flip the switch, flip to the other side, and, and uh, quarterback Cam Ward, you know, four TDs and no picks, and thirteen TDs and zero picks on the season so far. And mm. to me, that was the difference in this game. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, and, and they did. I mean, Oregon State was only favored by three points, but it, it was a, it was an mm. upset pick. Yeah, yeah, I think a lot of DJ's insufficiencies that he brought with him from Clemson are, are still kind of showing their head. I mean, uh, that's the reason he got replaced there. He. He he missed some open targets, mm-hmm. threw some interceptions, and they, they brought the younger guy in. I I think he's still having a lot of the same issues he had there at Clemson. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, he's he's a talented kid, has a, still a huge ceiling. Right, right. He's, big he's got big work kid, to do. Yeah, yeah, big kid, big strong kid, or whatever. But yeah, I think the accuracy, I think, is the big concern or the big you know kind of blemish on his on his thing is that he's got a big arm, he's got a strong arm. It's just the accuracy is not always mm-hmm. there. A guy that you know in this game completed. 50 exactly 50 percent of his throws through for less than 200 yards you know uh but you know added another 60 rushing yards or whatever but uh yeah obviously the better quarterback on the day for you know in this game was you know cameron ward uh threw for over 400 yards in this one four passing touchdowns no picks added another rushing touchdown himself um you know in a game that was dubbed the Pack two championship. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously the two the two lone lone rangers <laughs> lone left survivors. In, yeah, left in the pack the pack twelve, but you know, the pack two at this point. Um, but you know, Washington State came out came out on top and you know, this Washington State team looks looks pretty good. They got, you know, their second win against a top twenty five team so far through the through the season. So, you know, the Pac twelve's uh making a you know, with all their teams leaving, they're making some noise here in their final, you know, final season. So we'll see. So does the AD buy them rings and a trophy or how's <laughs> right, that go? Right. Yeah, exactly. We get to have a parade and everything like that. But, uh, you know, I think, yeah, it was a not only somewhat of a disappointing, you know, uh, display by Oregon State's offense, but their defense, I think, was the real big, you know, kind of letdown in this one. I mean, mm-hmm. they came into the game almost top 10 in, in total yards allowed uh, and, and gave up almost – 400 in the first half um, and, and wind up giving up a total of almost 550 yards throughout the whole game. So definitely not, you know, a great performance from an Oregon state defense that, you know, came into this one riding, you know, some highs right. in, in their first several games. So, you know, definitely going to try to get things corrected. You know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit of Oregon state here, here shortly. Yeah, we'll see if they up. can come get up. things corrected here. Yes, sir. All right. Um, Ohio state, Notre Dame, um, you know, I don't know if you could, 
put the numbers any closer together mm-hmm. for these teams. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not only was it a three-point game, but the stats were similar on both sides of the ball. Um, I think the slight edge for me for OSU was 10 of 17 on third yep, down against, exact same note. Yeah. against Notre Dame, 5 of 10. Um, you know, that, that little bit of an edge right there, I think, you know, paid. And I, I'll tell you what. You know, McCord, that mm-hmm. final drive, man, I think yeah. he grew up a little yeah. bit there. Yeah. He yeah. he showed, you know, showed some stones there and uh, really let him down the field and, and you know, got that, that late touchdown to to seal the deal. Uh, I guess my big question, you know, going forward is, is how is Marvin Harrison Jr.? Mm-hmm. You know, they yeah. held him to, what, three catches for 32 yards, I think it was, or yeah. 42 yeah. yards maybe. You, you know, I'm not so concerned about that output because te- they're, they're bracketing them. They're, they're putting two guys on them. Mm-hmm. That's that's the reason Mbuka is so wide open all the mm-hmm. time because they, you got two guys on your best receiver. He's right. one-on-one coverage all the time. Right. So, you know, he's doing his job. That's a lot of times, like you say, is a corner good if he's not deflecting anything? Mm-hmm. It's I'm just because I, I was speaking more towards the injury yeah. than yeah. really. Yeah. It, it, he, he seemed to still look fluid out there after okay. that. I, I think after they got him taped up, he, he didn't, it didn't seem to be hobbling or, right. or any of that too much. So, yeah, yeah I, I think that'll be good. But I think just him being on the field, oh, whether yeah, he's 100% well. healthy or not, you got to know where he's at every, yeah. every, every day, every plays on the field yeah you know and it it helps osu getting the you know the bye week this week too then get him healthy and you know notre dame's got got another big game coming up you know they're 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 going in to play another ranked team this week so uh we'll talk about that game also here in a couple minutes yeah yeah absolutely i think uh you know for me i gotta you know somewhat eat my words you know i thought you know Coming into the game, I thought Sam Hartman would be the difference yeah. in this one, and, and and he didn't play bad. I mean, it wasn't like he played, you know, didn't play great, didn't play bad, um, but you know, I, I definitely didn't didn't envision, didn't see Kyle McCord leading them sixty five yards in you know about a minute or whatever, about a minute and yeah. a half down the field to you know win win the game. Uh, definitely, because up until that point. Hadn't done much. He hadn't done much, was kind of okay. Again, having somewhat of an okay, didn't make any mistakes, I think was the key as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, on that drive, it looked like he finally put it all together. And, you know, when it when it counted, he showed up. And that's that's what you want. That's what you're looking for. Um, you know, so yeah, hats off to, you know, Kyle McCord in that in that sense. Uh, you know, Buckeyes able to squeak, you know, squeak one. It was out. interesting after the game, I was listening to a lot of the media talk and uh, you know, the guys interviewing Coach Day and all that. One of them brought up that how how bad McCore looked on first and second down, but mm. when it got to that third down, fourth down plays, right. he seemed to be really locked in and right. able to find his receiver which almost is, like he's hyper focused at right, that point. Right. But which first is what and you, second down, he's not so much. Well, yeah, which is what you would not think, you <laughs> right. know, whatever yeah. you would think, you know, first, second down, he'd be, you know, cool, calm, you know, collective, and then you know, third down and fourth down, it'd be you right. know, a complete scramble disaster or yeah. whatever. But so, I guess so Jay said he's got to kind of figure out how to right. get him on that same. If he's on that same level on first and second down, right, right. oh it's, boy, look yeah, out, right, you know, exactly. It's going to be special. Yeah, could be could be developing you know a, a, a solid QB there for for Ohio State. So we'll yeah. we'll see. Yeah, obviously, big big win for Ohio State, big win for the for the Big Ten. Um, yes. You know, be interested. Is this fool's gold for both of these teams, right. or are they both really that good? Right. Yeah. yeah. I guess yeah. We'll, we'll find out. Out going forward like i said notre dame's playing another ranked team this weekend so uh all right a couple uh more big 10 schools here iowa at penn state wow uh you know I, we all knew penn or we all picked penn state to win um but i didn't think it was going to be this bad but you know they uh, they penn state's defense just you know 
just unbelievable. You know, it was a close game at half, 10 nothing at mm-hmm. halftime, you know, and uh, but 76 total yards. Uh, yeah, there's not a team in America who can win with 76 no. total yeah, yards. Yeah, they in Cade, it looked, looked bad. Uh, mm-hmm. Cade McNamara, five of 14 for only 42 yards yeah. passing. They had four turnovers. I mean, it was just a Penn State had three sacks. It was just a dominant performance mm-hmm. by that Penn State defense. Right. Yeah. The closest this game ever was was zero to zero. <laughs> right. um, you know, after that, it was all downhill for, you know, the kickoff, initial kickoff, and that was it for Iowa. I mean, it, it you know, different year, same result for if you're, you know, for an Iowa team, they, you know, obviously thought they found their QB or, you know, maybe been able to right the ship on offense. But it seems like, again, Iowa found their rhythm against maybe some of these lesser opponents, but, mm-hmm some of the better teams in the big 10, they still know how to stop just it. can't move the ball enough to, you know, put out, put out an offense there that, you know, makes teams <laughs> have to play defense. Um, so it's, it's going to be going to be interesting for this Iowa team, you know, going forward. I think there's still going to be a, a decent team in, in the Western, you know, Western half of the big 10, but you know, I, I, again, I, I just don't think that they have the offense to compete with with some of the top top teams, you know, in the eastern the eastern side. Mm-hmm. So I think it's they're going to take their lumps against you know those those better offensive units. Uh, at this point, yeah, the the Iowa defense is got to figure out a way to score more points, I guess, because yeah, right. it, it's it's going to be going to be tough tough slate for this Iowa Hawkeyes team. Yes, sir. Okay, on to this weekend's games. Uh, we actually have a Friday night game, um, and it's you know two ranked teams playing on Friday night, which is kind of unusual. You got number ten Utah at four and zero going to Oregon State um, at three and one Friday night at nine o'clock. I wish it started a little bit earlier. <laughs> But uh, I guess I'll be up late Friday night. But, um, you know, Utah, we we talked about them in the last segment, both these teams in the last segment, but a little bit more on their defense. Their rush defense, third in the nation, only giving up 51 yards a game. Uh, their defensive end, Jonah Ellis, leads the Pac-12 in sacks and tackles for loss. Ain't, but you flip the switch, flip to the other side, Oregon State, averaging 225 yards per game rushing. So, you know, we're going to see if it's, you know, the unstoppable force against the immovable object, which mm-hmm. which comes out on top here. Right, right. Um, but uh, yeah, I think Oregon State's favored by three and a half. So three I and a half points. Actually, I checked. It bumped up to four and a half. Four, now. I don't know. If Vegas so, is thinking that a lot Cam, of money going on Utah still. Yeah, I yeah, guess. yeah I guess they're, yeah, maybe they've got news that Cam's maybe not going to be 100% or mm-hmm. maybe not even playing at all for right. this game. But, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, I, I, the Oregon State. I still, I, I'm going to pick against the spread. I'm going to, I'm going to pick Utah on my mm. upset special. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm right there with you. I mean, Oregon State scoring 39 and a half points per game. Utah's only 22.3, but right. Utah's only given up nine and a half. Oregon State's given up 17.75. Mm-hmm. Right. So you know, after watching Utah's defense and what they did against a UCLA team who's right. been putting up some, points yeah. and yards all season long right. so far. This defense is for real. They're going to slow down Oregon State just like they did UCLA. Utah is going to get the W. Yeah, this is, you know, obviously a, a Utah team that comes into this game on the offensive side of the ball quite quite banged up, you know, not only being, you know, down their, their starting QB, but even their leading rusher is, is dealing with an ankle injury. So, you know, and, and it seems like, with Cam rising out, they've had to rely a bunch on that on that rushing attack. I mean, I think that they still have a handful of other backs behind their starter that that can come in and, and step in and still be still be elite, if you will. Um, but yeah, I, I think 
the difference in this one is is this Utah defense. This is a team that just creates havoc in the backfield. They they got uh, 14 sacks, 27 tackles for loss on the season, mm-hmm. and they forced a ton of turnovers. They got seven takeaways through the first four games as well. I think with a quarterback like you know like DJ for for Oregon State that again there's no question the guy's a big quarterback you know doesn't go down easily you know can can break some tackles but the accuracy sometimes comes to bite him in the butt and and I think Utah in this in this sense they'll they'll feast on that you know inaccuracy I think Utah comes up with a couple of turnovers in this one if Cam is not able to go, I think this is, again, another somewhat low-scoring affair and a, and a close battle that I think Utah then can still squeak out. But, you know, obviously going forward, Utah has got to get, you know, Cam Rising back right. in there to really give this offense a, a, a balanced balanced attack. Mm-hmm. But I like Utah to, to get the win. All right. We're all in agreement on that one. Next one, uh, number 24, Kansas at 4-0. Going into Texas, number three at 4-0. Um, Texas, a 16-and-a-half-point favorite, 330 game on Saturday. The, you know, the stats are similar to these teams on these teams other than Kansas's defense has given up about 10 more points a game than mm-hmm. what Texas is doing mm-hmm. right now. And uh, they, they, they've scored – yeah, they're, they're, they've scored 151 points on this season so far, but they've given up 91. Um, uh, Texas defense – is no slouch. They've already recorded 13 sacks on the season. Um, you were still not throwing any picks. You know, I, I just they, they they didn't play well this past weekend on special teams. Fumbled two punts and a kickoff, um, but still, you know, managed to to, to get a win. So I, I I look for Texas. I'm gonna I'm gonna take Texas. And I'm going to take. I'm going. I think they'll cover the spread as well. Yeah, you know, looking at this Kansas this season, they put up 37.8 points per game this season, but they haven't faced a defense like Texas either. Right. You know, looking at the the teams these two have played, Texas clearly played the tougher schedule, and they're still holding their opponents to only 12 and a half points per game. This defense is is a real deal defense. Kansas isn't going to put up 37.8 points. So you know, I, I think Texas wins. I think I think it's a little closer than the spread though. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have to agree. I, I think Texas wins this wins this game. I think the key in this one is third down. Uh, Kansas comes into the comes into this one leading all of college football in third down conversions. They're completing about sixty percent of their third down mm. conversions. But nice. you look at Texas's defense; they're only allowing about thirty percent of the time, allowing you know the the team to pick up a first down on the third down. So that's going to be the key that you know, kind of looking at the at the game. What can Texas's do, you know, defense do on third down? Can they, you know, stop some of those drives, prevent Kansas from keeping the score? I, I don't think that they're going to quite hit that 60% mark in this one, but I think that they still will get enough to keep it close in mm-hmm. this in this game. But ultimately, I think just, yeah, too much, too much talent, too much firepower, both sides of the ball for Texas. But I think Kansas does keep it, keep it close, keeps it within that, you know, 16 and a half points, but ultimately I like Texas to, to win the game. All right. Very good. LSU going into Ole Miss. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit about Ole Miss in this, in this last uh, segment, LSU's favored by two and a half points, scoring 42 points a game, Ole Miss scoring 43 points a game. To me, the, the difference is the accuracy of senior quarterback, Jaden Daniels, uh, he's 90 of 124 really, you know, makes his, 
makes his passes, you know, count, puts them on the money. He's a, only the sixth player in FBS history that's ever thrown for 10,000 yards and rushed for over 2,000 yards. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's a dual threat guy, and I think I think that's just going to be too much for the old Miss. I look for LSU to get the win here. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, I like I like LSU in this one. You know, uh, looking at Ole Miss's defense in that sense, you know, they're they're only they're giving up less than three yards a carry. You know, you know, even though they're on the field for about roughly thirty six minutes a game, they're still only giving up about you know less than three yards a carry, which would be great if you were playing an LSU team that loved to run the ball. But this isn't a team that loves to run the ball. It's a team that wants to hit you with the pass. They're They've racked up 320 or more passing yards in all four of their games this year. I mean, they, you know, Old Miss's deep, you know, pass as well as their rush defense is, their pass defense is like a night and day difference. Uh, they gave up over 300 yards to a Georgia Tech team. They allowed, you know, Alabama, who most would say is nowhere near an elite level offense. They let their quarterback, you know, hit them for 80, you know, complete 80% of his passes. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, uh, old Miss's defense is in, in for, you know, a, a, a wild ride in this one. I, I like LSU going on the road here to, to win this game and, and, and definitely cover, cover that two and a half point spread. Yeah, you know, both of these teams came into the season with super high expectations. I mean, we're talking championship expectations and they've both blown a game. They were projected to win. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Neither of them can afford to lose this game. Right. So you're looking at this should be a hard-hitting battle. Mm-hmm. You know, after watching both of these teams play, I, I think LSU, who's 23% better on third downs, mm-hmm. which I think is going to be a, a huge key to this game because they're going to keep drives going. They're going right. to be able to, you know, get a couple extra scores out of that deal. And I, they, they rush for more yards. They pass for more yards. They're just the better offense. I think LSU's got enough to get it done here. All right, very good. Uh See what uh, next game that Notre Dame can rebound, you know, after that heartbreaking loss to Ohio State last weekend. They're going into Duke, uh, number 17 in the country. Mike Elko channeling his inner Mike Krzyzewski, you know, <laughs> bringing the Blue Devils in at 4-0. Um, 7.30 game. College game day is going to be there. They're, hopefully okay. they go to the right place. They go <laughs> they go to game day a lot for basketball. Right, First time right. they've ever been there for football. So. Right, right. Hopefully they, they don't uh, take a wrong turn. But um, Notre Dame coming in 29 straight regular season wins over ACC teams. Um, you know, Hartman played against Duke twice when he was at Wake Forest, was mm-hmm. one and one against Duke while he was down there. But but Duke's defense is for real, fellas. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've only given up 35 points mm-hmm. all season. Yep. Um, only allowing 4.4 yards per pass attempt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that, that's, that's huge, but I, I still think Notre Dame, I, I think they rebounded a five and a half point favorite. I look for, I look for Notre Dame to cover the spread in this They're They want to get back on track after that mm-hmm. heartbreaking loss to Ohio state where mm-hmm. they, they did play a good ball game and, you know, somebody had to lose, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, I look for them to right the ship and, and get it done against the Blue Devils. And I think this week's going to tell us a lot about Notre Dame. Right. Are, are they a team that can rebound from a, just a, a demoralizing defeat in the last seconds of the game? Or have they go on the road, yeah. too, you know? Yeah, so are, if, if they can keep it together mm-hmm. and, and play like they have been all season long, even yeah. in that Ohio State game, yeah. I, I think they've got more talent mm-hmm. on their team. Mm-hmm. You know, Duke hasn't 
probably really played the same schedule Notre Dame right. has at this yeah. point either. Mm-hmm. No doubt. I, I think Notre Dame and their veteran quarterback, I, I think that's going to be the difference in, in helping them rebound mm-hmm. because he, he's been through losses right. before. Right. He, he knows how to get it done. So I think Sam Hartman here comes out, proves a point. Yep. Notre Dame gets the W. Yeah, I got to agree. I, I think Notre Dame will win this game, but you know, just just look out. This yeah. Blue Devils team, you know, they they look they look legit in this one. Um, you know, you want to talk about a a run heavy team or a team that you know loves to run the ball? That's that's this Duke team. They've in every game this year they've had at least three rushing touchdowns. Um, and and then you know their game against Northwestern. I don't know if it was last week or you know at some point in their season they played Northwestern. They had five rushing touchdowns in that one ran the ball for almost seven yards a carry and and you know they had over 40 carries in that game against northwestern so this is a team that wants to establish a run get you know get get the you know bully ball somewhat in the trenches establish the run uh because even their quarterback has that very dual threat you know possibility so you definitely can't just you know send all your corners and safeties deep or he'll burn you with you know a, a qb run or whatever so Definitely got to watch out for this, you know, watch out for this Duke team. I think they're they're for real, but I think Notre Dame will will be able to get get a win, but this will this will be a tight battle I think for Notre Dame. It won't be just a walk in the park like their, you know, games up until the Ohio State game have been. I think they're going to they're going to be in for, you know, a 60-minute battle here with with Duke. I think that they're 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 for real, but I think ultimately yeah, that kind of elite leadership from Sam Hartman I think is mm-hmm. the difference in this in this game. I think uh, you know, much more balanced attack that that Notre Dame has on the offensive side of the ball. I think that they're able to get it done, but they're they're going to battle. And I will say, Marcus Freeman's going to have that defense ready to go. Mm-hmm. I, he definitely won't have ten guys on the field <laughs> yeah. like he did the last play against right. the Buckeyes. Right. That's last sure. last two plays yeah. of the game, he had ten guys. So it, uh, yeah, definitely going to going to right the ship, or hopefully right the yeah. ship and not have a you know a, a gaff like that. So we've so. agreed on all four games so far. Yep. Correct. All yep. right. Well, yep. last game of the of the weekend that we're picking. Uh, West Virginia at three and one going to TCU at three and one TCU's coming in 12 and a half point favorite. I think both of these teams uh, expected to be a little better mm-hmm. maybe than what they're playing right now. Um, big question mark for me is, is Garrett green? Does, does he come back this week for mm-hmm. West Virginia? Yeah. They said that if he's not a hundred percent, he's not playing. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I don't look for him to, to play this weekend. West Virginia is rushing a ball 189 yards a game, but TCU's defense is only allowing 85. So mm-hmm. we'll see who can win the battle in the trenches there against the rushing attack of West Virginia. Uh, running back from TCU, Amani Bailey averaging six yards <laughs> a carry. Um, I- I'm going to give TCU the win here, fellas. Yeah, make it three for three. I, uh, you know, I, I like it too. I just think, yeah, the, the quarterback, the backup for West Virginia, completing almost 50% of his passes, definitely – a major step down from, from Garrett green. Uh, you know, I think because Garrett green's been out, West Virginia's had to rely a little bit more on that run game, somewhat of two one dimensional attack. It, it would be different if TCU was giving up a ton of yards on the, on, in the run game, but a team that gives up less than two and a half yards, a carry and, and is able to get into the quarterback and has 16 sacks on the year. Mm-hmm. I just think, yeah, this is not a good matchup for, for a West Virginia team that, relies on on running the ball to to get things going you know the one-headed you know two-headed monster for tcu between chandler morris and and imani bailey i think just too much for a west virginia you know a a west virginia defense is playing playing well but 
you can only do so much when you're on the field for right. so long. So I yeah. think it just, yeah, going to be overpowering for, for this TCU team. I, I just don't think that West Virginia is going to be able to keep up. Yeah. You know, coming off that week one loss to Colorado, uh, TCU's then gone on to have three straight blowouts after that. I mean, they're, they're playing good ball and they didn't play bad in that first week. They put up 42 points. I think they've just got way too much offense for this West Virginia team. Mm-hmm. TCU gets the W. All right. Very good. Watch well, the show for tonight, but. Before we go, I'd be uh, remiss if I didn't uh, give a shout-out to Tito, yes. calling it quits in Cleveland, yeah. uh, winning this manager, longest-tenured manager for for a Cleveland team that, uh, you know, is the dude is just Mr. Baseball to me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. just just a fantastic human being. And, you know, anybody anywhere he's been, guys love playing for him. He, he does have two, you know, championships. Unfortunately, they weren't with Cleveland. They mm-hmm. were with Boston. But, right, uh, right. you know, obviously a talented manager. And, um, you know, the baseball's missing. Big shoes to fill for, for Cleveland, I think, going yeah. forward. Yeah, even, even played for Cleveland back in the yeah. day as well. Yeah. So, um, you know, yeah, going to be gonna be missed in, in Cleveland. We'll see, you know, what they decide to do as far as, you know, their next – Next manager, what they what they decide to you know do go out and get another veteran, or do they start you know start somewhat fresh with the with a new guy, or, you know younger guy, and you know kind of get you know obviously they have one of the youngest teams in baseball, so do you you know add a young manager to the to the mix, or do you go out and get a get a veteran guy? So it'll be be interesting to see how the how the club does. Obviously missed out on the playoffs this year, not not the you know farewell not, not tour. The you want to see him yeah, go out. yeah, not the farewell tour you would have hoped. They did get a win last night, last right. game in in Cleveland. In so, Cleveland, but so. uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be missed. You know, great, great baseball mind, great baseball guy. So, all right, well, thanks for listening to Fired Up with your hosts Colton Cow, Chief Rob Cow, Matt Gordas. We uh, hope you enjoyed our episode this week. And you know, if you want to hear other topics for future episodes, or you know, you just got a burning sports question you want to hear us talk about on the show, feel free to reach out to us on our different social medias. Uh, we do have an Instagram. Um, if you search for at fired up underscore podcast, or you can find us over on Facebook. If you search for fired up comma sports podcast, and as always, you can head over to our website at www.firedup1.podbean.com where you can find all of our past episodes and, you know, just a little bit of information about, about the show. Um, and you can find this episode and all of our past episodes on pretty much any podcast platform you can think of Apple, Google, Spotify, Pandora. So all the big players, you can, you can find our show. So appreciate y'all listening. And as always stay stay fired fired up. up.